Well, good morning, Burlington Baptist Church. It's good to see everybody. If you belong to Jesus, say amen. Isn't it good to be in God's house, God's people, to celebrate our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that loved each and every one of us? Somebody asked me this week, said, what are you going to preach on Sunday? I said, the same thing that I've been preaching on for the last two years and singing about for 10. I'm going to preach on Jesus. That's what this is all about, folks. That's why we come to this place. It's not a pony show. It's, it's, it's about Jesus Worship Center. That's what we're here for. And I'm so grateful. Man, you ought to stand up there in that baptistry and listen to people sing. I believe that's what heaven's going to sound like. I really do. I really do. And it's going to be amazing. I, uh, I want to share with you today a passage of Scripture um, that, that I've talked about it. I've quoted it. You've heard it your whole life if you grew up in church. And, and I'm pretty sure that even if you didn't grow up in church, you heard this uh, passage of Scripture, parts of it and portions of it. And uh, it's one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite books of all the Bible. It's the, the Gospel of John, and we're going to uh, turn in our Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter three. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to read it off the screen this time. I, I want to read this to you, John three. So you know where we're going with this, right? Remember John three sixteen. We'll get to that in just a second. We're going to read twenty verses. Watch this. There was a man named Nicodemus, and he was a Jewish leader who was a Pharisee. A Pharisee was a person that sat on a council, so to speak, and kept the rules. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. He said, Rabbi, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Now listen to what Jesus said to him. Jesus replied to him, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it is and where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Wow, he's, he's, he's messing with him, ain't he? I mean... How are these things possible, he asked. And Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? I assure you, we will tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. So this, that's me every time, Chris. <clears throat> so this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based upon this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. And all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what is right. Let's pray with me. 
Father, thank you for this passage. Thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for your blessing. Most of all, thank you for Jesus. Lord, I ask you to give me the gift of preaching. I pray, Father, not for my glory, but for yours. I pray when we leave here today, we will draw closer to you and know that you are Jesus, the Lord of the world, and that you are in control. I pray this in the precious name of Jesus, and everybody said that said, amen. The theme of today's message is, you must be born again. Anybody ever heard that before? Raise your hand if you've heard that phrase before. You must be born again. I said that to a guy one time, and he said, you're pretty narrow-minded. And I said, well, you know, it's really not me. I'm just telling you what the Bible teaches. And we began to share together and study together. But the conversations that we've had, this is about a conversation that happened. And we have conversations about being born again. The idea of a new birth uh, is kind of a, an interesting concept. And, and so you know, we hear this talk about being born again. There were two men in American history. One of them's name was George Whitfield, And the other one was Ben Franklin. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to have them Ben Franklins in my pocket. I saw one once. No, I'm kidding. These two guys couldn't have been more opposite than you can imagine. One was a preacher. The other was a scientist and an inventor. One was a Christian, and the other was a deist. One loved the church, and the other one laughed at the church. In the midst of their differences, they were close friends who corresponded frequently. What a concept in today's world. Love somebody that's different than you are. Just saying, that one was cool. On one occasion, George Whitfield wrote a letter to Ben Franklin. Listen to what he said to him. Listen to this. As I find you growing more and more famous in the learned world, I would recommend to your diligent and prejudiced study the mystery of the new birth. It is most important and when mastered will richly answer all your pains. I bid you, my friend, remember that one at those whose bar we shall stand presently appear hath solemnly declared that without it we shall in no wise see his kingdom. He was sharing with a friend because he loved him. He was telling him about this born-again thing. Our text talks about this. And in my opinion, this is one of the most quoted scriptures in the New Testament, John 3, 16. And this conversation is one of the first memories that I have of, of a Bible study as a kid. I remember that was one of my first memory verses as I was growing up in Sunday school. We had to memorize it, and then we got a prize. I don't remember what the prize was, but I remember learning this verse. And see, the events leading up to this are the life of Jesus on earth. And Gospel of John is an incredible book. If you're a new believer and if you're an old believer, I would encourage you to read that book. That's what I tell people to start when they accept Jesus into their lives. I say, read the Gospel of John. It's a great place to start. The story is about Jesus walking among men in the first few chapters there. And, and, in, and in the second chapter, we see Jesus, he's attending a wedding. And he's at this wedding, and, and it's at that wedding where he does the miracle of turning the water into wine. He also, in the previous chapters before John chapter 3, he also cleared a temple. He went into a house of worship, and he, and, he, and he was so upset because they were making it something that it wasn't supposed to be. You know what he did? You know what he did. He flipped those tables upside down. Man, they didn't know what to make of it. He said, do not make a den of thieves out of the house of the Lord. And he starts getting into this thing, and they said, you know, something this and blah, blah, blah. He said, you tear the tent, you tear this, you tear that. And I built it back three days, and they were, like, confused. They didn't know what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about that. He saw many people believe and follow him. The miracles intrigued people. And there was a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious man. He knew the Old Testament, studied the law, studied Moses' law. He, had, he was one of those guys who kept over 600 rules. It was all about rules in his religion. Boy, I'm glad we don't have that today. 
Nicodemus wanted to talk to this Jesus. And he comes to him, but he doesn't come to him in the daytime. He comes to him at night. I've been wondering about that. I think it's probably because he didn't want his friends to see him coming to Jesus and ask a question. He comes to him and he knocks on the door. Can you imagine those guys open the door and they saw this guy? He says, hey, what do you want? What do you, I mean, you know. He said, I want to talk to Jesus. And he gets in there and they begin this conversation. Earlier this, that day, Nicodemus had been doing his job as a religious leader. You know, he conversed about important things like tying your shoes on the Sabbath and why you shouldn't. Issues that were of the law. He was considered a holy man. He was one of 70 that sat on this council. He occupied one of 70 seats. He had the pedigree. He had the credentials, Carl. He had what, he was there for a reason. But on the other hand, this other man in that house that night, he was a Galilean. He didn't have no diploma, but he drew large crowds. He banished out demons and he forgave sin and he cleansed temples. He didn't approve of pots patting on the head. That's the story we're up to. That's the story we're looking at. It says there was a man named Nicodemus who came to him by night. He says, you're a teacher. You sent them to them temple teachers. You're a teacher. He goes on to say that God is with you. Nicodemus recognized that Jesus was a teacher of faith, but he also realized that God's teaching more about his life. And here's the thing. Nicodemus was so entrenched in his particular view of God that he couldn't imagine anything different. Man, I'm glad I don't do that. Have you ever had something in your life that God's working through? He's working it out, and, and, and you're so locked in that it's got to be this way that you can't even see it? Aren't you glad that you can break those barriers down? And that's what he did with this man. Nicodemus comes to him, and he starts talking to him. And, and, and one of the things that intrigues me is, is Jesus doesn't mince words. Right out of the gate, look what he says. I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. He didn't sugarcoat this. He straight on. Told him straight up. You would think that Nicodemus would have understood this being, being where he was coming from, but he doesn't have a clue. Look at what he says. What do you mean? How can an old man be born back into his mother's womb and be born again? He's asking, how can we put life in reverse? Anybody here ever want to put your life in reverse when you're going through a particular thing? I think we call it do-overs. But we can't do that. But we can do something better than that. We'll get to that in a second. Nicodemus is stuck in the earthly definition, not the spiritual definition of what Jesus is. Jesus is talking about a second chance. Jesus is talking about being born again. He goes on to say, born of spirit and of water, not by works, lest any man should boast. And he uses the illustration of the wind blowing and the, and the power that God uses that to blow the wind. And we see the wind and, and we see it moving, but yet we don't understand it, but we know it's there. We see evidence of it, but we don't understand it sometimes, but we know it. Aren't you grateful for that? The word birth, by definition, is a passive word. If you think about it, when we were born, you and I, we really didn't have anything to do with the birth. Our mothers gave us birth, right? We all got here, not by our choice, but we were born. Physical birth. You know, life is given by God through a woman. Born again is a gift from God, but it involves a higher power as well. And the word again, born again. Jesus, when he speaks of born again, is using a word that implies that one who gave life the first time does it again. Nicodemus was stuck in the temporal definition of born again. He's talking about a spiritual birth. He goes on in verse 6, he says, human can be produced only humanly. That's not created by God. It's not birthed. It's not born again. 
the Jewish tradition of the Spirit equating life started at the very beginning. When In the beginning, it says, in the beginning, God. And over the chaos, God spoke and speak and moved. Adam was created. And what, what was breathed in? The Spirit breathed into his lungs. And then what about the one we talked about last week when they crossed the Red Sea, crossed the water multiple times? The Spirit parted that water. And God stood up and made the water part. And Jesus explains God's power like the wind is God's incredible gift of mercy and grace. I love the Christian Bible. Because I want to tell you something. If there was ever anything people need to hear in this world, that is that God loves them and His grace and mercy is extended to them. Amen? We live in a world of hurt. Jesus is the answer. I believe that. In this verse, John 3, 16, is what comes up next, and it says, for this is how God loved the world. This is how he loved the world, that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I love Max Lucado, and I know some of you do too because we've shared books and we've talked about it. Max has a quote that I like. It says, the heart of the human problem is the heart of the human it's a heart issue. It's, it's a heart issue that we as humans have. And you know, in this passage it says, he says we can have everlasting life, but if we don't, we perish. What's up with that? Well, the word perish, we don't want to talk about that today, do we? I want to tell you something. Jesus has done everything that he possibly could to keep you and I from perishing. He came, he lived, he died, he walked among us, and he rose again. That's the difference. There's a clear difference. There's a clear difference. Jesus speaking here about perishing and everlasting life. The deciding factor, is it works? Is it is our works? Is it, is it how much money we have? Is it talents? No. It's our belief in Jesus, our grace that has saved us. I read about a missionary that was in a foreign land, and he didn't know how to translate this verse because he was having trouble in the native language coming up with a word that would express belief. And, and so he, he was working with it, and he, and he was searching for this word, and he came home, and he, he came home, and he exhausted back there where they were staying. And, and when he returned from his busy day, the, the people there around him saw he was tired, and one of them locals said to him, it is good to stretch yourself out here and rest. So there it is. There it is. John G. Patton used the translation and the reference to Jesus to the locals, and he said, you should stretch yourself out and rest for the night. What a beautiful thought that we can rest change this world. God's treatment for the heart is described in this passage of scripture that we just read. That God loves us, he gave, we believe and we know. When we think of Christ, I, I pray that we can see him as John wrote the gospel that loved the world. And I don't know that we, you know, part of growing up with this passage of scripture, sometimes I don't think we really understand how much, really, truly, what that love is. There's a story in the Old Testament. If you've never read the book of Hosea, I want to encourage you to read that sometime this week when you get a chance and, and, and read this story. There was a man named Hosea, and his wife's name was Gomer. Yeah, his wife's name was Gomer, and she was, she was kind of a, a, a case, if you know what I'm saying. She, she ran around on him, and, and she ruined her life and, and shattered his. And, and, and this example of love in this story tells about this man, Hosea, and how he pursued this woman even though she continued to deny him and run from him. She got so bad that she wound up on the auction blocks in slavery, in the slave trade. And as she stood on the auction block and they were bidding for her, guess who stood out there and took and said, I'll buy her? Hosea. And 
God gave that story, chose that story to share our love, his love for us. He's like, whoa, really? He's saying, I'll take the blame. I'll take the blame. I'll take the blame. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love. Amazing grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Another familiar thing that we've heard all our lives. There's a man, uh, you know, I, I, I love you know, I love music, and I love to try to, I dabbled in songwriting. I, I actually, some of you may not know this, but I wanted to be a, I wanted to write a hit song. And I moved to Nashville, and I told my wife, I said, sweetheart, you're only three minutes from having anything you want. Three minutes. That was 25 years ago. And uh, I, I, you know, didn't do very well songwriting, as you can tell by that now. But uh, my point is this, there was a man named John Newton who wrote this song, Amazing Grace. And he had a passion. He understood God's grace. And, and, and when he wrote this song, it, it talked about this passage of Scripture, John 3, 16. Here's what he said. He says, if I read, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that when John Newton believed, he should have everlasting life. He said, I should say perhaps that there's some other John Newton. See, think about this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that put your name in there that come on should have you put your name in there whoever you are should have everlasting life john newton was looking at it that way he said but but whosoever means this john newton and that john newton and every other john newton in the world as well as this every other john newton whatever their name might have been man god so loved you he gave his son he loved you to the end yeah you may have made some mistakes i want to tell you something you can have a do-over you can have a do-over, and you'll do over something else that God loves you for. He didn't send us a set of rules. He loved us more than that. He sent his only begotten son. He sent his only begotten son that we could have eternal life. And the word that says love is agape. Agape means, you know, it means I give you something without expecting something in return. It would be like, uh, you know, well, human beings are kind of different like that, right? Like, I mean, I could say, hey, Chris, man, I love you, buddy, but in deep down in my heart, I'm wanting him to, you know, give me something in return. You would say that about people, wouldn't you? Or maybe I say to Danny, you know, hey, Danny, I love you, buddy, but I have an underlying motive. See, there was no underlying motive with Jesus. He just said flat out, I love you, and that's it, period. You grab on to that. You hold that with all you got. Paul said, forgetting those things which are past, I look forward. And it's by the grace of God that we were saved. And that's how we get saved, through grace. Look at what John said in chapter 1, verse 7. He said, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God gospel message went out into the world and it changed the world and hopefully it's changed you today and if it hasn't I want to invite you to be born again that day Martin Luther the great church father lied on his deathbed dying and this is uh, he was in pain and this is what they said they came to him and said you want some medication and here's what he said my best prescription for my head and my heart is because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever looks to him shall not perish but have everlasting life simple message what are you going to preach on kids i'm going to preach on it because of what i have done for you that god so loved the world that we can run baptismal waters and people will believe i want to plunder hell and populate heaven because he loves me and he wants to really share that amen so what about this guy nicodemus nicodemus whatever happened to him where did he go well, if you keep reading in that Gospel of John, in chapter 19, Jesus is crucified. 
died on a cross. His body was taken down. And you read in there on the 19th chapter, verse 39, you see there were two men that came. One of them was Joseph of Arimathea. The other was a man by the name of Nicodemus. Look at what Nicodemus said. He was a wealthy man, come to find out. He had a mixture of myrrh and aloes. Just think how that would be for me. Plus, I got myrrh in my system. But <laughs> to be born again, you must be born again. It's the change of such a world that it can be described. And I read that I read through that again. The change comes when we love Jesus and follow him say one time, he said, you know, or not too long ago, I was talking, he said, I, guy I work with in his church got saved? What does that mean? Ken, I know you're a preacher. What does that mean? I said, well, he said, man, I'm telling you what, I've never seen him. I said, how could you not see him? He's different. You know, he's different. Nicodemus is different. We're different. We're the sons of the most high king. Trust in him, are you born again? If you're not, today would be a great day to do that. We would love to help you greatest story that's ever been told, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. As we go into this time of invitation, Lord, we proclaim your word. I pray that it's gone out, and I pray, God, that it touches hearts. Lord, tonight I pray for me. And I pray that people are drawn to you, those who are believers and those who aren't, that you'll be the God in their hearts and in their lives. Thank you for baptism, and thank you for Daniel giving his life to Jesus. Thank you for the two that came forward this week. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in this church. Remind us. Be with us in this time as we sing. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to sing.